0: Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, and little man, little Lola wants you. Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm Prakash. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Well, Prakash, it is our second to last episode of the season yeah. of our literal time of on this podcast. our literal careers. It's a little scary. It's very scary. But... In the coming two weeks, you're going to hear an announcement on the new Bottoms, who will be the face of Bottoms Bottoms on Top. top. So look out for it. But before that, how are you, Prakash? I've been okay. I've been okay. This has been like a very polyniferous week, and I've been showering nonstop, I gotta tell you. You could say that again. Uh, I am so disgusting when allergy season comes and i feel so gross cuz yeah. i'm trying to be out in the club and dance and feel myself and then my nose is leaking um, yeah like <laughs> there's fluids and it's not the alcohol my throat is scratchy and yeah. someone's like you would want to dance with someone you can't yeah. cuz you're like my eyes are like literally watering and i'm like it looks like i'm crying like it's <laughs> <laughs> bold of one to assume i wouldn't be crying in the club ah! in the first place <laughs> but uh speaking of the club we just Finished our spring fling, oh mama! <laughs> it was a time. <laughs> it was a time we spent a significant amount of time together this fling. Yes, a mm, lot of it spent in the neighborhood as well, which I liked. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. Period. Also, crazy thing happened to us during fling was that Woody's was better than Tavern for the first time. I swear that was a dream. Yes. I swear the music was popping. Yeah. Like. And- my the ratchet actually. girls room was like actually a ratchet girls room like <laughs> and you did some floor work for oh, cause I got down on that grimy floor I remember waking up the morning after and being like she will not be wearing these again for a minute <laughs> <laughs> when I saw you on the floor I was like that's how I knew my pregame was good <laughs> because you're not on the bathroom floor you're on yeah, the, dance the dance floor, floor. <laughs> But it was so much fun. But we also got the like nice pen experience, which was like go to a little like Darty type deal, go yes. see Pan Park. I thoroughly enjoyed my fling. Period. My allergies didn't. My allergies were not having it. In more recent news though. <laughs> In more recent news. At the time of recording this, Lizzo has just dropped her new album. Cause I love you. I stand so heavily for Lizzo. Oh my god. I've been waiting for this. She had, like, I want to say it was, like, a full-fledged album three years ago now. Yes. And, like, that shit was, like, crazy. Like, I feel like Lizzo has, like, this dynamic range of, like, she can rap really, really well. But she's also, like, a, an amazing R&B singer. And, this, and then on this album, she literally, like, has, like, a love on the brain kind of vibe for some of it. But also soul Soulmate. Mm -hmm. my self-loathing gay ass needed to hear that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Self-loathing? Me looking in the mirror like, I'm my soulmate. I'm my soulmate. But I just can't wait for Lizzo to blow up really big. I really want her to, and I just think she's so talented. And I just remember, like, I discovered, I, I discovered, I found coconut oil, like, when I first got a Spotify account and was like, Oh, this is the shit. The algorithm. Yes, the algorithm. It got me. And ever since then, I've been like waiting. I've been waiting for you, Lizzo. And honestly, her twerking and flouting skills is coming. The Lizzo revolution. So speaking of music, I hear there's some new Blackpick stands out there. Oh, mama. So I tweeted yesterday. Mm. I said, don't say you love the anime if you haven't read the manga. And I tweeted a picture. It was pictures of Blackpink and Luna, mm-hmm. next to pictures of 21 and Girls' Generation. Mm-hmm. Girls' Generation and 21 are older K-pop groups. I just feel like a lot of new K-pop stands are here. And perhaps because it's really trendy on Twitter, especially like queer K-pop stands, like that really like Luna and Blackpink, while I do feel they should educate themselves for a minute um, and learn about where <laughs> yeah, these groups came it. from yeah, and see that Blackpink is, while they're great, 21 like, walked for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. groups like Girls' Generation walks or groups like Luna could be really popular. Also now. That being said, part of that was just me being jealous by all the Twitter gays going to Blackpink in LA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm mad because I'm like, I deserve this. (laughs) I am a veteran. (laughs) A veteran. You're a new K-pop student and you definitely would have pushed me into a locker in high school Ah! if you saw me listening to 21. Oh, no! (laughs) Ah! But also, Andreas some of like, the K-pop just don't the bitches know. are fighting. They're fighting, and I'm going to fight. <laughs> Me at the center of drama. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> okay, listeners, we got a packed show for you today. We do. So later, we're going to bring Imani on to talk about queer poetry. Um, but before that, Nick Joyner is going to come on and have his Silly Faggot Corner. And Imani will also be joining us for Silly Faggot Corner before we have a more serious discussion about their great poetry. Period. See you then. Welcome back, listeners. We are here with Nick Joyner and joined by Imani as well, who decided to stick around for Silly Faggot Corner today. Welcome, Nick.
1: Hello. It's a party.
0: What do you have in store for us?
1: Um, With some, I've taken some requests from the fans. Yes. As long as some missions from some other fans. It was gonna originally be a do we claim her, um, but there were too many inanimate objects. Um, <laughs> so we had to switch it over because I have some bathroom items on here as well. I'll try, I've tried to limit myself, but <laughs> I had some more thoughts that I needed to insert.
0: Queen of CBS.
1: <laughs> Literally. All right, so we can start off with a request from Miss Andreas. This is. Um, Mr. Dr. Professor Silky Nutmeg Danosh PhD MD JD underrated
2: Period. Oh Look, <laughs> <think> I'm sick
0: <laughs> Silky's personality is so much fun. Like, you cannot sit here and tell me Silky is talentless when Eureka made it to top
1: three. That bitch talentless,
0: Derek... too. I know. But I'm saying that, like, Silky's personality is so much fun. Like, without Silky, this season would be nothing.
1: The way her eyeballs just rattle around in her <laughs> <laughs> vacantly. I'm never sure where she's looking. And I kind of love it because you don't know what's going to come next.
2: Can she dress? Can she paint? Can she be anything other than comedy?
1: The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but Silky provided all the entertainment we need for season 11. She's been the number one troll. I'll say it.
0: We're going to move on. We're <laughs> <laughs> moving.
1: Um, next up we have boxers. Um, let the records reflect that I'm wearing boxers that are longer than my shorts right now. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I won't air, You know where I stand on this issue.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm going to start. Wait, I'm going to borrow from Food for Thought here, okay? Because they've had a long conversation about boxers and briefs. I'm going (laughs) to say they overrated as fuck. I'm going to say that... Every gay man in middle school, when everybody else started changing, had that moment where they were like, oh, nobody gave me the memo that I was supposed to be in boxers right now. And I was I was one of those gays. And I was like, "What? what's good about this? The stench? <laughs> like, no. No, that's not where it's the, at. The
2: mobility. The flavor. The, the flavor. The flavor. <laughs> the flavor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you ever just like to rattle around in there? Oh, my God. <laughs> just, just shake it around. <laughs> That's <laughs> <As laughs> a bit interesting. <laughs> I will
2: say the boxers are a Dyke's best friend. Mm. It allows, like, you can have things on, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And then just, you know, keep it calm. Yeah. Because you have to, they're always up, so you gotta, like, push it down with <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's always, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm team boxers. Mm. Mm. Okay, we're going to skip to Doja Cat. Doja Cat <laughs> is overrated after Tia Tamara. Before Tia Tamara. Just a little underrated. No, Tia Tamara's the number one troll song.
0: It is, it is. But I think she's kind of, she's a little overrated because uh, she's so transparent about how much she like kind of sucks at making music. Like <laughs> if you watch her genius videos, she's like, I made this beat. Well, I didn't really make it actually. I just kind of thought of it and someone made it for me. And I'm like, what's going on here? Where's the. <laughs> she's a creative director. <laughs> allegedly, but- allegedly. A little overrated, but I still like her. Yeah, I feel like she's been overrated for a while. Um, I'm sorry, but she was never underrated to me, like, period. Yeah,
1: I don't like her music.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, her
1: music is garbage. Garbage. the hits are hits. Okay, okay, moving on. We have TikTok. Underrated. Period.
0: The West will fall because of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see it.
2: Anti-colonial legend.
0: Period. TikTok is so great. People say they miss Vine, and I will say that TikTok kind of replaces what con- what content Vine sought to produce. Mm. Um, you can do so much more with TikTok. Not saying it's better because like Vine obviously holds a special place, like nostalgia. But like, it's so much fun. Follow me on TikTok at Prince underscore Mulatto. No. <laughs> I do not have a major love for TikTok. But maybe it's just because I've seen a bunch of like white boys on that thing for way too long.
1: I specifically <laughs> like the subgenre of TikToks, the divorce TikToks. Yes! <laughs> yes! those are hot and it's all like white trash people yes. Mm-hmm. N- n- like tearing up like family portraits or like <laughs> there's like one where a guy's like seeing to a little girl and he's like, Sometimes p- papas and mamas don't get along. Oh and God. she's like she's like fighting about her parents' divorce <gasps> through like a TikTok performance. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Literally the trauma, <laughs> the, flavor. Yeah. It's, it's just it's there. the flavor. It's just—it's the flavor.
1: It's—it's a platform for artistic experimentation. Mm, I will say I that. Avant-garde. What's the <laughs> motherfucking
2: <laughs> tea? I can't believe you did that. <laughs> I
1: hate that video. I'm going to jail. <laughs> Next up, we have something that was being discussed offline that I would like to bring into the room. I would like to hear it. Um, We have Iggy Azalea's new single, Sally Walker.
2: Over the fuck rated.
1: So
0: fucking overrated.
1: (coughs) Underrated. Um, I
0: love that song. You can go do your thing somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but Miss Vanjie being in the video, Shay Kulay in the video. Shay exactly. Yeah, she's in the video.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: I think the song just bops. I don't know. It's, in, it's been in my head for like a week. And I had to come out as a fan yesterday on my
1: Instagram. I had to use Google Translate to understand the song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what dialect? Y'all smell that? <laughs> okay. Longer. Do your thing. Do Iggy does
0: suck. But this song is good. You sound like it all the be girls be <laughs> who are like, Black Widow is where it's at about five years ago. <laughs> I would I troll the fancy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all.
1: <laughs> it must be said. Next up we have tweet stealing. Like outright plagiarizing a tweet that someone else did.
0: <clears throat> it's overrated. <laughs> Stolen tweets, overrated, that's
2: it. Yeah, I don't like Dory on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Mm. Or like basic white girl or whatever the bitch name is. Yeah,
1: yeah, know. No. but whatever. It's like LGBT on LGBT crime. Yes. Like you know what I mean? Yes. Like, <laughs> like stands stealing each other.
2: I've stolen millions from the LGBT. <laughs> yes, I have,
1: I've stolen. Our students are LGBT too, <laughs> and straight too. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then the last one is leather harnesses, but as club wear. So like underrated. Do You think so? Yeah. Yes. Period. That's I Would like on. to see it like to see it it was an
0: iconic fashion moment (laughs) (laughs) was (laughs) if it keeps the gaze out of uh striped t-shirts i would like to see it Mm. everybody now we didn't have
1: to go there
0: (laughs) everybody been wearing the same gucky striped t-shirt for the years (laughs) or a
2: plain t-shirt with a little embroidery on it
0: Mm. or mesh Oh, so now we're just coming for next? (laughs) You chose the hill. You chose the hill. As someone who owns like four striped Zara shirts, I came for myself in the first (laughs) one.
2: I do love mesh. And on that note, the
0: mesh. I know, I know. The mesh. Well, Nick, it's time for you to go now. (laughs) You put us in a fight. It's time to go back to my corner. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nick, for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.
0: Welcome back, listeners. Today, we're up in the stew with Imani, and we're going to talk a little bit about some queer poetry. Imani, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hey. um, First and foremost, I am a member of the Beehive. Um, I am <laughs> a poet, a writer, a journalist, a stan in all you know, forms of the word, and I'm really excited to be here.
0: In that order, exactly? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So, Imani, we brought you on today because we know that you're a pretty dope poet and writer and everyone knows it and you have so many platforms but we wanted to bring you to ours should <laughs> be quite honest y'all this irritating is, <laughs> this is the very we need you you don't need us but, <laughs> um can you like elaborate a little bit on like what exactly you write you mentioned like poetry and journalism what's your favorite what if what's notable that you're working on
2: Oh, geez. Um, what am I allowed to say? Um, I'm working on my first Ming script. Um, it'll be on a queer history and poetry connected to each other, specifically on the AIDS crisis and how that actually manifested itself in lesbian communities and la, la la la. Yes, I do poetry and I write poetry, and that's like my craft thing, but I also, being like a scholar person now, like, I research uh, love poetry by queer Black women activists of the long 1980s, mm. just like thinking about what their interiority versus their like revolutionary side would look like, and how like I've noticed like a theme in a lot of love poetry by uh, queer Black women activists of this time, where there's a big contrast between like outside the world is ending, but here I have you, and it's so perfect. It's understandably turned me into a sap. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's really important that we see in literature uh, queer black women outside of a place of pain, um, outside of a place of um, constant survival and fighting and resistance.
0: What got you into doing more scholarly research, like jumping off of doing poetry and Mm. just regular writing? Was it that desire to learn more about queer black women in writing or was it just something that happened because we're in school? <laughs> um,
2: I think it was a combination. Um, coming up, like I came up through this awesome nonprofit, Urban Word NYC, and there was a lot of like great black women mentors and like people who would work with me and everything. And then when I would go and look for voices that looked and loved like mine in literature and like in popular representation, it kind of just wasn't there Um not only the the poems were there, but books about the poems weren't there. Um, like actual work that deconstructs what it means to love as a queer black person. Um, and I wanted, I, I don't know, when you don't see a book, you got to go write it, you know? Mm.
0: That's the energy we need. <laughs> we love that energy, yes. yes. So how does the work that you're doing now compare to the work of your peers, your mentors? Are you inspired by anyone right now? Is Oof. are you inspiring somebody right now mm. Mm. toot your own a little
2: <laughs> oh boy um well oh my gosh like queer poetry is going through a, like a renaissance right now there's so many good people working and putting out great work like dianelli antigua has this new book called ugly music um crystal valentine you, crystal valentine period luther hughes this is his book touch there's like we're expanding the idea of queer poetry beyond just, like, white gays. And it's, like, really beautiful to see uh, what it actually looks like for shit to be inclusive and for people to be published and, like, given the same amount of press and energy and love. I just like, like, the community of it all. I don't know. Like, it's it's cute, you know? Poetry's cute and stuff. But, like, I don't go to conferences. I do go to conferences. I also go to, like, hang out with the gays. Like, I don't... Mm. It's just as much of a party as it is work, and I love that.
0: I was going to ask, like if there's, like, a voice or a community where you're like, I still want to hear from you, you mm. know? hmm
2: I think definitely both in, like, social spaces and literary spaces, uh, we're not doing enough work to elevate the voices and presence of trans black women. There's this amazing writer, Justice Amir Gaines, who's doing some really good work. Um, she's, like, so brilliant. And I think that, like, the L, the G, the B, and the Q, and the plus... Really need to do some more work um, in elevating the voice of the T because mm-hmm. people are like we're it we love to I think the community loves to say that we've made so much progress and then the people who are most vulnerable end up getting left behind whether that is in silence whether that is in violence whether that is like in social spaces I think we can definitely stand to make some more improvements. I
0: want to run back to what you said before about there being just like a really fun community around poetry mm-hmm. uh, tell me more a little tell me a little more about that
2: oh my gosh. <laughs> okay so it's actually really cool um, how shit uh, shakes out because it's kind of it's kind of similar to drag in that they're like families mm-hmm. um, and houses like we don't. It's not the same kind of language around it, right? But, like, I do have poetry mothers. I have, like, ancestors and, like, a lineage of people that I know I can turn to. And I have, like, sisters and peers. Um, and sisters is, like, sometimes gender, neut- gender neutral here. Um, and I, I compare poetry to drag so much. But it's all always about performance. It is always about putting on. And sometimes that is cathartic and sometimes... It is like a way of expressing yourself when no one else will listen, is a way of demanding presence um, in front of a group of people who have to engage with you and have to understand your story.
0: Fuck, I love that. I love the poetry and drag comparison. Can we have poetry race? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, in baby. Poetry these, race. <laughs> oh,
2: baby. these. race. Oh, uh, baby. These poetry conferences are basically poetry race. The way the gays dress, face, <laughs> event, you, like I was on a slam team when I was. A senior in high school, and like we had an Excel sheet for our outfits, like what oh. we were going to wear every day. Uh-huh. Like there was a denim moment, there was like a, a denim a, a lace moment. It was like oh. we we had to wear flower crowns at all times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Instagram moments has nothing on <laughs> <the side>. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: and it's like organized beauty, and a lot of times mm. it's organized queer beauty, and organized queer black and brown beauty specifically. Mm. Um, that show up to a lot of these poetry spaces. And I think it's like a really beautiful, really beautiful, like gorgeous thing that happens when you put all these people who have the same interests and the same identities in the same space. And you're just like, I know you love your craft, but also love each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that can get messy, you know? (laughs) 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 But I think at the end of the day, we all come out of it with a good like set of people that are like close to us and like another like family.
0: Could we learn a little bit more about your family?
2: Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so I consider myself as having four mothers.
0: Don't make anyone mad. Don't forget them. See, I <laughs>
2: well, f- I have five mothers. Period. I, I forgot my biological mother. Um, <laughs> sorry, Vanessa. I love you. Um, I don't think she'll listen to this, but <laughs> Vanessa. <laughs> Um, my four mothers are Mahogany L. Brown, who's been a powerhouse in the New York City slam community and, po- and just poetry community, period, generally for 20 something years. Um, she makes space for people, she allocates resources, she is the artistic director of Urban Word. Like, that's that bitch. I mean, mommy, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's that girl, period. And behind her came Paul Tran who's a gender non-conforming, a Vietnamese poet, a femme poet, doing incredible work. Oh my gosh. Look look up Paul Tran. Everyone look up Paul Tran. Crystal Valentine, a queer black woman poet who blew up all over social media around 2015. And Roya Marsh, who is this uh, mask of center uh, queer black woman. And at m- the summer after I graduated high school, I was on the slam team and they all coached me and my sister's. Um, sisters with an X instead of an I. I don't know. It's just people that I know got me, and not only on the stage, right, but when it comes to, like, relationships and, like, trying to figure out how to enter publishing when you come from, like, slam and, like, being... How to overcome, like, people's biases against queer poets and queer black poets. Like, I know those niggas got me, period. Mm. Period.
0: Wait, I wanted to... Jump on here. You mentioned that there's some biases against queer Mm -hmm. poets, queer black poets. Maybe Mm -hmm. we can unpack, talk a little more.
2: Okay, no shade to Walt Whitman. (laughs) 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 No shade to Walt Whitman, but he is not the only gay poet that exists. (laughs) Like, niggas be gassing Walt Whitman. Like, I fuck with leaves of grass. Like, I know, like, a nigga does contain multitudes. You know what I'm saying? But I think the amount of attention that is paid to like older queer white writers that we're just now figuring out, oh, you had you had like a whole wife, you all um mm. I think we can focus on like modern queer writers right now. Um, I do think that people have become more accepting of queer writing, but always historicized, always in the past. These people are dead and this happened but that was in eighteen something or other when niggas is live right now. I have the the shooting guns up on my hand. Your <laughs> guns are out. <laughs> 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 out. <laughs> um, and like I don't know. I've had spaces where people are like, "Oh, we don't want." Like we would hire you, but we don't want to upset like mm-hmm. the this is very conservative audience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's like the same sh- kind of shit that happens in academic spaces where y- you don't really know where it's safe to tread.
0: Do you have any? Words of encouragement, advice for any young queer poets of color who are trying to just get their name out there, improve Mm. their craft.
2: Read way more than you write, man. Like, we think we don't have a lot to learn or we, like, maintain ourselves, like, in awe of the writers we love. But, like, the more you consume that, the more you can recognize what works and what doesn't in a poem and what might you might want to incorporate into your practice. And, like, maybe I need to learn about form. Maybe I need to learn about arrangement. Patricia Smith, read. Actually, that's my advice. Go read everything Patricia Smith has ever written, period.
0: Period. That's it. Well, Imani, thanks for joining us today.
2: Of course. This is lovely. I'm so happy to be here.
0: And we are very happy to have you. As we said before, you're gracing us with your presence. Oh, my God. (laughs) Kisses. Mwah. Thank you for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, Andreas Pablo, and me, me Ash Mishra We'd like, you like you to thank our, our, our podcast producer, Sam Mitchell. Mitchell and our editor and creative consultant, consultant, Sammy Gordon The Wexler Studio in the Kelly Writers House Julia Score for creating our cover art and Andrew Ellis, who made our theme song You can find him on SoundCloud as Dummy Fresh Love y'all, see you next time